Hello everybody, thank you for coming here. And uh, uh, my name is very long, Maki Mamati. And uh, I've been working as a gender advisor for Burma, um, and particularly for peace and development. So I have been actually involved with a lot of Burmese government ministers, as well as ethnic armed leaders and grassroots people. So I have been talking about theories, policies, strategies, and I'm fed up with it. So today, in my talk, in my talk, I want to talk about bottom-up approach. What is it like to be a woman in conflict? And why does why do they matter in peace talk? That is my talk. So, so the, and I want uh, and I would like to particularly focus on life story of women that I met, and I met in uh, I have been traveling in uh, and all the um, conflict areas, and um, and uh, I have collected hundreds of stories of women and men, and as a, this is like you know, some of the things that I think. Uh, permitting my time, I will be a little bit highlighting. What is a peace process? It is like a you know, man-show business, right? Like in Burma, when we look at a peace, always they're talking about men, shaking men, shaking hands or cheering each other. Then like, I know that's it. And they have been each other, you know, like kind of shaking hands, cheering over the decades. Right, like and so Obama is. Remember, the Obama is the longest war in the in the war, and you know it has been in 1948. You know, constantly like there is an ethnic conflict, and they are uh, they have been trying to have a like a peace talk. And yet, so it's like you know, there's only always men with different uniform, different dress, and performing peace. Um, when we talk about uh, when we talk about Burma, we, uh, let me remind you. You know, like you know, one of the things is that the longest war. What does it mean? The longest one mean longer military role. Militarism is extreme form of patriarchy. So, like you know, that actually impact on women and militarized culture that we faced. So actually, the like you know, we need to also talk about ethno-nationalism. Of course, Buddhism based. Military mentality is army is the father, army is the mother. That is their uh, uh, their propaganda. So actually, the like I know so, and also they have another layer of extreme ethnonationalism is that one country, one blood, one voice. Of course, they are boys. So actually, the like I know so, these things we have to keep in mind when we are talking about Burma peace. So when I met with. The peace minister and MPC government back up most funded peace broker in Burma. There's no women. There has been no women, right? So when I ask them, where are the women? That is their answer. Of course, different times, different person answering that. They all are Burma's leading peace broker. So women are only victims. And we are helping, we are working for them. Are they, are not, they do not fight, so why should they talk in peace? Women cannot be rational. You know, they are always emotional, so they cannot involve in peace. So that is like a very legitimate answer that they gave. And they, so, and I also questioned that to the peace ministers. You know, like I know here, it's like I know he was very shocked that why should we put a women you know like you know, the, the, his answer was so is it that really that 
women do not involve in war? The question is that there always there is assumption that women are only the victims. Women don't fight. Are women are all are women always peaceful? This is the Burmese women in ethnic armies. This this side, she is a Yazalin. She is working for a kind army at the moment, fighting with the Rohingya army. So in a light kind of see, this is a like a kind of not just a collective photographs. This is also, you can see that there is like an, another ethnic women uh, fighting for that. So we cannot put Kate Gura's men go to one box, another women go to the other box and making a policy. Clearly, so there is a problem with gender. What is the gender? We all know here, it is a social construct. It's a different roles, different beliefs, norms, responsibilities, and psychological characteristics, action, thoughts. All of them are gender in the everyday life of practices. That is gender. So it's actually the social construction included distribution of labor, of course, you know, what men should do at home. We all know what we should do at home, right? So actually, and, and we can see, still see here, women will be running to the shop to buy grocery after their work. So, so in Burma, one good news after opening up in 2012 was um, international donors rushed in and, and, and funded NGO, a lot of NGOs. And their theme was you have to put gender in it. So like an agenda has become very sexy topic in Burma. So and about they actually injected with the women rights in the West, popular women rights, like an, uh, a feminism from the West. So they talk about women rights. They talk about quotas. So actually that whenever I introduce in Burma, uh, what do you do? And when I say gender, they say, you know, that's like a normal response. And when I say, uh, another part time, they will say, oh, you are talking about divorce, right? You know, so, I can, so what does that mean is that whenever women rights groups go and skip training, there will be a lot of divorce rate. You know, like, and also coming up in the villages. So actually they are called as a, a divorce, divorce organization. So, and, and also like, you know, you know, there's like an increase of, you know, drinking alcohol culture and all this stuff because, you know, women, young women particularly consider, oh, we are equal to men, we can drink, you know, like an alcohol. Clear example is like in last New Year water festival in April. A lot of women are drinking, like, oh, we are women, uh, we cannot, you cannot discriminate us. We are equal. So alcohol becoming another problem. And, uh, but it kind of, we have to bear in mind, prolonged militarized culture prevail in all setup of Burmese societies. And it also influenced on gender specific responsibility. What are the experience of women in the world? So here is like, an, I want to like to focus on the life story of women. And, uh, and you can see in these pictures. So for us here, we can see, oh, that's beautiful place. Actually, to live is not that beautiful. No electricity, no water. Like, you know, it took you four hours to walk in these villages. So actually, you know, you, in order to carry water, they have to walk one hour. And as you, uh, you can see, I'm interviewing with the candlelight. Because it's like, and that's when they come back from the work, and they know electricity. So here is like, you know, I like to talk about their story first. Uh, in terms of what does women mean, women and human rights violation. <coughs> it was like a, a, a woman called um, Dumani. She is 43 years old woman in Dotamaji village in Kaya State. 
I quote, let me talk to you on behalf of my village about our experience in Foucault's era. Foucault's era is that the government strategized to cut access, funding, recruitment, information, and um, what's another one? Come on, have us, have me. <laughs> recruitment. Uh, information, recruitment, food, food and access. So actually, so uh, that is like you know, they targeted to black, so-called black area. This is one woman in black area. So let me start again. Let me talk to you on behalf of my village about our experience in Fogart. Whenever the military came to our village, all men ran away. Some men were also already being taken to be porters by the military. When they could not find men in the village, they accused us. Our village men were KNPP, ethnic army. So, uh, and uh, they were so angry that they were, there were no men in the village. So they locked women up, including myself. I was put into a hole which was dug on the ground and I was buried up to the neck for a week. They thought by doing so, our men will come back. A few came back, but most did not. It was very hard. I was so wishing to die. I could take hunger for this week, but I couldn't, it, it was impossible to do when I needed to go to toilet. So that is like a very basic thing. And, and she continues to, to say that it was also raining. So like I know soaking wet. And, and so these are so many stories. This is not just a one story. So now let me talk about uh, and being a woman, you know, like in a mental health. You know, like I know, you know, we all know that, you know, uh, child's birth, everything's like women are running away and they are, they have to deal without any professional assistance and malaria. So now it's a, uh, and, and a women in food makers. So I like to talk about women in food. So actually they're like, what is it like? to be a woman who believe that they have to provide food for the family. So here, I quote another one. I quote, they thought we might be supplying food to KNPP, ethnic soldiers. So they did not allow us to buy more than minimum amount of rice. If we had seven family members, we were allowed only to buy rice, just enough for seven people. The food was never enough. So we fed our children, we had to starve ourselves. Even so, the children were constantly crying, asking for more food. You could not make them understand. They did not know it was war. You were angry, frustrated, but also painful to see your children and to let them starve and not being able to provide food as a mother. I had to make a food for my children, but there was nothing. We could not go to our farm. I had to eat only corn husk or wild corn, which were normally given only to cows. I fed my children first, I had to eat only leftover, but there were never enough food. Even if we need to drink water, there were not enough water. Our water wells are outside of the village and we were, not, we were allowed only the limited time to fetch the waters. So actually, they're like on every day, every every single day that they are dealing with it. Now, what is it like women and caretakers? Let me quote another one. I quote. 
our farms are outside of the village, so do our world. In order to go to work in our farm or to bring water from the world, we needed permission from the army. We, most of us, were women and old people. We had to line up for a long time to get permission. Children were crying at home because they were hungry. So we ran back to check our children, then ran back to the queue. But often we, we, we were too late to go to the farm. And I have to go to the army in order to search for my children who were taken by them. I wanted to bring them back home. There, there were no men in the family at the time. So I had to go and negotiate with them. Even if I'm a woman, but I was forced, I have to defend my family and protect my children. So, and I do not want to talk about um, uh, war and uh, psychological impact. Number one is drugs. It's like, you know, um, in now it's like when women run away with their babies, nobody wants them to run away with them because the baby cries. When the baby cries, military knows. So what they do is they use opium to feed the baby to sleep. So that's how they carry it. Now, I'd like to tell you another story of 37 years old men, women. I, I will not tell about detail because my time is ticking. And I have enough time, okay? <laughs> so, since 2011, my husband left from Shanstake Army because there were peace talks with the Burmese military. But since he came back from the jungle, he began to use drugs because he has, has nothing else to do. Also treat me with the violence. I had a small shop. Every day he demanded me to give him some more money for his drugs. If I refused, he would beat me up. So I had to give him. He is a chain man after the war. He is not like my husband anymore. I am scared of him. He became a burden, but nothing I can do. I think there are many men in our village who use drugs. There are more drugs in our village than ever and getting cheaper. When they came back from the army, they no longer want to work any hard job. I am so sad for me, for him, and for my family. So there's another woman talk, talk here. There were so many fightings occurred before, before the peace talk. Men were so scared to be in our village, they ran away. While women and children, we hide, hide it near the forest. We were afraid to sleep in our own house in, in our village at night. One of my brothers joined the KNPP army. When the military knew about it, they came to arrest my dad. He was then already 89 years old. The military tied him with a rope and dragged him. I begged them, even I am a woman, I want to protect my father. I had to risk, even I was scared. They kicked me. My mother was fainted when they took my dad away by dragon. Since then, after seeing so many fights and intimidation, my mother went mad. She does not remember us anymore, and I had to take care of her. Because of the fighting and, and the intimidation, we have been psychologically suffering a lot. Even now, even the government said they are working on peace with our ethnic community communities we do not trust, we do not believe in it. We always worry about the thought that when will they fight again, with the worries that I cannot live in peace. Although now we are allowed to go in and out of the village freely, I don't want fighting. I want the KNPB Bami's army like my brothers and no fight, and I want to be like, I, I, I want to stop fighting. 
So here is a light again. See, this is like example of how they live. That's a pregnant women that crossing the the river to seek for medical assistance, and uh, that's like you know, uh, 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 and that's their life. See, that is like a bust. This um, so like and uh, and this is a uh, cheering. Okay, that is like I I went to the ethnic um, groups, and you can see here that um, and in behind is like you know they are mine, but you can see they are kids. You know, like an ethnic um, groups are also kids. So actually, that not that you know they can they can be rationalized or they can be um, um, you know they can better judgment. But also here is another point that we need to talk about rapes as a weapon. And I will not talk detail. That is one of the case of many ethnic women like kind of recorded story and 625 girls were raped right in one case alone in Shan State but the government I was astonished by the government when you and your reporter asked this question to the UN representative of Myanmar in UN Security Council he said raped in Burmese culture what kind of scenario is that it is impossible. Everybody know about our culture. So here, the mentality is Burmese culture. We will never do the rape. So, so there is also another thing. Like again, this is the women that I met with. The, like they came to to meet me with the, their work inside. And there is, of course, of course, Burmanization process is. Uh, and uh, it is like I know, you know, that is. Like let me go. Since I grow up. All my experience we had trouble, more trouble when the military came. I could not speak Burmese, so but I was ordered to speak Burmese when the military came. They told me not to speak current name. If I don't speak Burmese, they said I would be beaten. But I can't speak, so they beat me up and kicked me. Even so, I still can't speak, so I just had to take it. In our culture, we need to make offering to spirits by using chicken. So everyone in our family, uh, our village had, used to have chickens in their home. I had many chicken before, but army came and took them. So I had no chicken. So when someone died or sick in my family, I needed chicken to make off an offering to spirits. But as I had no chicken, I had to borrow a chicken from someone. The chicken costs only one day work, but I was borrowing, so I have to work three days, like paying interest. So actually, that you know, so to pay for a chicken. So you can see that. Um, and here is um, so, sorry. So there is like you know they they believe in chicken bone you know like kind of of an offering to the spirit, and they actually put it in their house, in front of their house. So. That is like a, 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 in order to go in to conclude it, and uh, you know, we know about UN Security Council. You know, like I know this is a historic I mean, moment and 1325 SCR. That's like an involvement of women should be in the you know, like a peace process because women needs and women concerns are different than men. Of course, men cannot possibly imagine what women need. So actually, simply, you know, in particular in wartime, how how it is like to be a woman to search for food when there is fighting and they cannot go out to their farm. So that is like you know that is very popular um, SCR one three two five and 
actually really interesting that in Africa, the women managed to grab, you know, like the opportunity and they are like, you know, become very strong representative in parliament. So for example, in the world, Rwanda represent majority of women parliamentarian in the world. So actually 48%, so like, you know, we can see that. So actually women need to be empowered. Of course, they have no education compared to their men. They have no experience. They, they, they have never been confident. They have never had confidence. So we need to build up these things. So that is like uh, kind of. So if we are talking about peace, that is like you know, summing up for peace. You know, like uh, you know, the, all the military, the government in making the peace. So, so, um, so if we women still hope to have a peace and they want to be involved in peace, and uh, and actually the the question is that here. The government, NPC, everybody who involved in peace process say that oh, women do not, do not need, they are not fighters, they can, should not be involved in peace. My question is that, do we need to hold arms to be involved in peace? So it's a, a kind of, this is a, a kind of, that is a legitimization. If we cannot break that, there will be no peace in Burma because women are experienced uh, peacemakers in their family and the community and, the, and dealing with the military. Thank you.